We began a sermon series last week entitled Repeat After Me on the Lord's Prayer, and we began a question, the same question the disciples asked so long ago, how do we pray? Maybe you've asked some of those questions. Are there certain words I need to use? Do I need to be in a certain place? Can I mess this up? Prayer is one of those holy conversations that we have with the Lord. And so we often question, how do we do this? How do we pray? The Gospel of Matthew records one of the most beautiful and most meaningful sermons ever given. It lasted three days. We won't be doing that today. But it was on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus teaches those who have gathered the attitude that we are to hold as followers of Jesus Christ. When prayer is discussed, Jesus in essence says, keep it short, keep it real, keep it honest, and keep it simple. He says, pray this way. And those are the words that we say each and every week that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And Christians for over 2,000 years have been saying these words in community together, lifting our voices to God. Now last week, Pastor Sheila addressed that first line, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I was preaching over on the modern side last weekend, so I can give you kind of the 10-second version of what I said. Those of you with a clock, you might want to time me. But we were talking about calling upon God's name, that we have a God so powerful that the angels covet their eyes in the midst of God, but so personable, a God who loves us so much that we're to call on God as Abba, Daddy. Call upon God like a loving parent, knowing that God just wants to hear our voice. For those of you who are parents out there, don't you just want to hear your child's voice? Don't you just long to hear them say, hi, mom, hi, dad, and to tell you a little bit about what's going on in their lives? God wants to hear from us. Abba, daddy in heaven, can we talk? And so we're, we're talking about this next line now. We're talking about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a formula. The Lord's Prayer is really a formula. The first part of that is to address God, to call upon God's name. Maybe it's holy God, loving God, gracious God, whatever name is the most meaningful to you in God. And then the next part is that we invite God to do something. We're inviting God to be a part of our lives in a meaningful and transformative way. And then we move on to the middle part of that prayer, God, is we're asking God to provide for us. And then we ask God to forgive us, to look toward the past, and then to guide us in the future. And so this really is the tenets of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, to call upon God's name to ask God to do something, to provide and to look toward the past, forgive us, and to move toward the future in guiding us. Well, 
we're going to look today at the invitation part. What it means to do, to ask God to do something in our lives. It begins, your kingdom come. Can you say that with me? Your kingdom come. We know that Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom, don't we? And we have in our mind those things that are the kingdoms. It may not be exactly what Jesus is meaning when he says your kingdom come. Over the last few years, I've um, had this fascination with the monarchy. It happened a couple of years ago when I went over to England, over to uh, London, and uh, toured with my mother and my niece had a wonderful time. And one of those days we spent in Westminster Abbey. Now, I could have spent the entire day in there reading all of the history of the kings and the queens and the servants and the statements and the soldiers, the priests and even the villains who are a part buried in that beautiful place. And next time I go, I'm probably going to spend the entire day there. My mom could not spend as much time as I wanted to, but you know, I really began to have this fascination with the kingdom, the kingdoms and the reigns in England. And my fascination really began with the, the War of the Cousins or the War of the Roses, you might have heard it called, the Yorks and the Lancasters. Now, Joe will tell you that I've watched every miniseries, both fiction and nonfiction, that I can get on this. And, and as I've read and researched and watched, it really has become more evident to me in my heart what Jesus meant when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Because I could see what the kingdoms of the world looked like. The kings and queens reigning, doing anything it took and everything it took to sit on that throne, no matter what it meant of killing someone or going outside the rules and the norms of society, they were going to wear the crown. They were going to sit on the throne. And Jesus' kingdom is much different. But he would have understood this kingdom because, you see, Jesus' time wasn't much different than the time that I'm talking about with the kings and queens of England. There would have been statues all over the place in Rome reminding people who was in charge. The emperor's statue would be in every territory and every province. And even if they'd never seen the emperor or might not ever see the emperor, that statue was a reminder who's in charge. And if you step outside the lines of what we call norm, what we call rule and law, there were crosses around that showed you what happened when you stepped out. Of bodies crucified on the cross, reminding people just who is in charge. Fear was the controller both in the time of the War of the Roses and in the time of Jesus. The guillotine, you could lose your head if you stepped out of the rules in the time of England, but you could be crucified in the time of Rome. And so Jesus knew what was at play here. Authority, power, and fear. And so it's no wonder when Pilate asked Jesus if he is the king of the Jews, that he says, my kingdom 
is not of this world. The kingdoms of this world are called into question and stand in stark opposition to the kingdom of heaven. Just think about the events of last week for a moment. God's kingdom looked very far away, didn't it? In the face of Las Vegas and the horrific act of an individual gunning down people who had gathered just to hear some music, we wonder, will the kingdom ever come? Will peace ever come to this world? And we ask ourselves, will the world ever stop controlling with fear? Can we ever change? Well, I think it all depends on what power we let control us. What power we let control us. It depends on our invitation to partner with God in God's purposes. We know there are those who use evil for their own purposes, but we don't let them control us. We have to invite God, your kingdom come, into our world. And I believe when we do that, the world can change. One person at a time, one small group at a time, one church at a time, one organization at a time, that we can change the world when we invite God into our world. What would happen if we prayed these words each and every day, each moment, each situation? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let, let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. May we partner with you, O oh God, and all the saints of heaven and the angels of heaven in what you call us to do, how you call us to be, how you call us to serve. Let our will be in accordance to your will. Let our purposes be your purposes. I once read these words, changing the world begins with a small group of people who simply refuse to accept the unacceptable. Isn't that what happened 2,000 years ago? Didn't a small group of people refuse to accept the unacceptable? Jesus did not bring about his kingdom with power and authority and rule and fear. Jesus brought about the reign of God in a kingdom with an upside-down kingdom of the world. He showed us with a group of disciples what it meant to be in partnership with God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not the norm of the world, but the kingdom of heaven. Your kingdom come.
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is where God's will is being done. Amen? That's where we experience it. The kingdom of God is experienced when the will of God is being done. And we have to partner in that. We have a purpose and a calling in that. That when we pray, your kingdom come, we're not talking about something that will happen someday. Now, that's something I thought when I was younger. I'm, when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, I'm thinking, well, that's when everything lines up and peace is finally found and we experience what the kingdom of God really is. But Jesus is saying that can happen right here and right now. All you have to do is invite me into it. Invite God into the world. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom, and he said, it's here, and it's not yet. We get these glimpses of the kingdom of God when we see it here. When someone gives of their time to go down the kingdom house and tutor a child, to step into their world, and then identify something that they've been struggling with for years, and it's never been identified and to find the help that they need so that they can succeed, that, that the purposes of God, to know this child is a child of God and to partner in that brings about the kingdom of God and we see a glimpse of it. Yesterday we celebrated the life of Anne Limbaugh. Such a servant of God. And when she was living in Cape Girardeau, she went out of her way and and she pestered, I love that word, her son, she's pestered two doctors to, to join in and a nurse to join in. And she found somebody to, to give a building and no charge at all. And for these doctors and nurses to be able to see children and babies in a free clinic that could not afford inoculations. And then she went and found the serum for free. And she brought it in and over 5,000 children were inoculated. The kingdom of God. When we call upon God's name and say, will you show me, will you partner and show me your purposes, O oh God, and I will do my best to bring those about. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What authority, it's a good question, we have to self-reflect, you know, in every sermon. What authority is running your life? Think about that for just a moment. I ask myself the same question. What authority is running my life? Is it the kingdom of the world and its expectations and some of the things it throws at us? Or is it the kingdom of God? Do I lean into the kingdom of God? Or is it the kingdom of myself? Right? Because the whole goal in the monarchy was to get on that throne, right? To wear that crown. Is it the kingdom of myself? Do I, do I think I know what's best for my own life? Do I think that 
I know which direction I'm to take next? Or do I lean into God and ask God and invite God for your kingdom to come in my own life? Because I believe that this prayer can change the world, but it has to start here. It has to start in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own actions. God calls us to partner. Because I'll tell you, here's the simple truth in all of this. If you want God to reign in your life, you have to abdicate the throne. You have to give up the throne. You have to abdicate the throne. You have to throw the crown off. And you have to God, let God rule in your own life. Your kingdom come. What if we said those three words in everything in our lives? Your kingdom come in my family, oh God. Your kingdom come in my business, in my organization, in my vocation, in my servanthood. Your kingdom come in my marriage. And in my relationships. Just think how your life will be different. Just think how our lives in a community would be different if we as the church ask, as the church, your kingdom come. Because God has given us the church as the vehicle in which to expand that kingdom of God to be about his purposes. Just think how the church would be different if we said, oh God, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to ask for your kingdom to come and I'm going to ask that your will be done here in the community of St. Louis, here in Salem, as it is in heaven. Think how we would be different, how our church would be different if we made that invitation every breath. Your kingdom come. You have a card in your bulletin, and, and there's nothing you have to do with this card. It's just a card that helps you maybe think about the ways that you could partner with God and God's purposes. Maybe God has been calling you to be a part of something that you've said, uh, doesn't fit in my world, doesn't fit in my time frame. Maybe God's calling you to abdicate the throne. and say, your will, God, your will be done. Just think how your life will be different, how our community will be different when we ask God, when we invite God to be a part of that. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, help us to give over that control, to give over that power, to not lean into the fear of the world. Help us so that we might know that you reign in our lives, that you show us and direct us and that you want all that is good for us, that you see things that we will never see, that you hear things that we will never hear, that you know things that we will never know, that you know what's best for us. Help us to lean into the will that you have 
and the goodness that you have in store. Help us, oh God, to abdicate the throne and let you reign. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.